0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, this question came to me whenever I was going through the Mass. I was kind of thinking when I was sitting there that, you know, one of the major groups of people that became Christians were those of the Jewish faith originally. And I was thinking about the way that they worshipped God the Father, and the way that we obviously worship the Trinity. And this is kind of coming from the Old Testament background. So I don't know how, how it's done today. Disclaimer. But in the Old Testament, you have Moses outlined the kind of sacrifices that you should give to God. Um, mostly all living animals, rams, doves, what have you. And it was getting me to thinking that you know to have a ram that you're going to sacrifice to God takes a whole lot of effort. You gotta have a ram. You gotta have extra rams so you can continue to grow your herd. That you have to have an extra one that qualifies under all the parameters that the the law that Moses put out qualifies you for. And it got me to thinking of all of this extra time and energy that people put in to making sure that they were doing a sacrifice for God. Because that ram had to stay alive day and night. You had to take care of it and make sure that you could have it there for the feast. And then obviously as time goes on, our sacrifice is Christ upon the cross, And he outpours his blood for all of us through all time. But that changes the relationship in many, many ways. But the part that I'm focusing on here today is, you know, basically we go today, we're not giving a ram or a calf or something like that. We're pulling cash out of our wallets and giving that. And it's not the same type of thought process or energy pouring into to what i'm going to give to god for this particular feast so i bring that up here because the thought would been coming over me and i have no idea if i am even starting from the right basis here but just thinking as far as the common man and their relationship with god compared to them as to now and just wanted that to be the starting point for today's episode
1: well, it's a great reflection, Joe. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to actually reflecting on it because I think I will uh, also put some things together as we're talking. And I'll just give this little disclaimer that uh, I have not studied deeply the whole culture of Judaism. And I've kind of pieced together a lot of things myself. Uh, so I might be just slightly off in some details. I do want to say up front, though, that uh, the one I've learned the most from, the two I've learned the most from are uh, Dr. Brant Petrie, who is just putting out a whole series of books. And he and Dr. John Bergsma just put out an introduction to the Old Testament. And I think where I might get a few little things wrong that our listeners won't really even notice, I'm sure. But I just want to say their introduction to the Old Testament and those two who produce a lot of content online, videos and audio I just recommend unconditionally. They're phenomenal scholars, and they really have immersed themselves in the, in the literature to understand the practices of Judaism at the time of Jesus and how all that stuff flows into the New Testament and just a, really, a lot of really rich content. So if I can make that pointer to anybody who is uh, intrigued by what we discuss, or maybe uh, not fully satisfied with it or whatever, I'll just point you in their direction, uh, and I, I yield to whatever they say, but uh, I think to to make it uh, a little bit more accessible to us, how some of that stuff worked, I mean, you had a, a more agrarian culture, so everybody had a flock, you know, everybody had, you, you grew your own food, you had your own crops, and that was the, the majority of the culture at the time of Jesus, you didn't have cities and markets and currency, and uh, you didn't have the the same kinds of of trades and obviously there's some of that stuff going on too, but you had a lot of agrarian culture, so there were people who had fields so put yourself in that put yourself on a farm first of all, and your family had a flock of sheep, and your family grew some crops and then the law required that you make an offering of that. Now, what is an offering? Well, there are a number of different kinds of offerings. And this is, it, again, where my details are a little bit fuzzy. But for example, you would take a ram, as you mentioned, take that out of your field. It's one of the rams you already have. And you're taking care of it with the other rams that you have. You know, So it's not like you invented this ram just for the sake of sacrificing it. You already had this ram. And you want to make an offering for your family, a sin offering, for example, in order to atone for the the sins that you've committed in the past year. You and your family make this offering, and you take this ram, you actually go out into the field, you lay hands on it, kind of like confirmation, and you choose that ram, and you bring him in, and you even maybe have a prayer service, and you place the sins of the family on that ram. And then you take that ram to the temple and the father of the family would actually uh, kill the ram, the, the short wall, slip the throat of the ram. And uh, then the priest, who's on the other side of this kind of short, knee-high wall, catches the blood of the ram and takes it into the altar and sprinkles the, the blood on the altar. And then he takes the whole ram in and processes the ram. Uh, And, you know, then he also gives you the meat of the ram back, although he keeps a portion of it for himself. And the law specifies what the priest keeps. And so that's because the priest doesn't have fields and he doesn't have his own land. He doesn't have his own portion. The priests were cared for by the people by getting a cut from the sacrifice. And so he goes in, he slaughters, he makes the offerings. He maybe burns parts of it, and then he gives the meat back. So you've made a family feast, but you've made it an act of worship. And so all of the effort that you invest into raising a flock and then taking the ram, you're making a sacrifice, which concretely is the journey to the temple, the effort to make the sacrifice, the donation for the priest, and and the prayers that you say. So the concrete addition that's uh, required by the law are, are just these kind of small pieces, but they're significant because we've woven an act of worship into a family act of, uh, of feasting. And so uh, how do we do that now? You know, as you're you're kind of making the connection with the New Testament. Well, we're not offering a ram. and and maybe people will do this on Thanksgiving Day, what do families do a lot of times? We're going to go to Mass first. We're going to participate in the sacrifice, which is the summation of all sacrifices. And instead of taking a physical part of our flock, I'm going to take my time, my energy, my heart, and maybe my concrete financial donation as a a symbol of those uh, aspects of my life that I'm bringing to God. And I know that there's no sacrifice that I can offer on my own which will redeem my sins and which will uh, bring down God's blessings. But the one sacrifice of Christ does do that. And so I can unite my little sacrifice to that consummate sacrifice of Christ and then receive the benefits of that. And then I'm taking not the chopped up ram home to feast on, I'm taking the grace of God's love home. I'm taking this act of worship home and this experience of family unity. But I'm taking all of that home with me to then enfold in my my family feast for Thanksgiving, for example. Or this would be the regular Sunday practice as people offer the regular Sunday sacrifice of attending mass, receiving that grace, and then bringing that home. And especially an older culture always had a Sunday dinner. I hope some people still have a Sunday dinner and still have that family gathering, but certainly it was very prevalent in, in past days. So you can see, I, ho- I hope I made a little bit more of a continuity between the Old Testament practice and the New Testament practice that it's not like two completely different worlds, uh, nor were you just raising. Now, what what did people do who didn't have farms? well, they bought a ram from a farm. <laughs> you know. So, uh, And that's part of what was going on. We, we hear about the money changers and uh, in the temple. People would have to go to the temple. And then instead of going to a farm and buying a ram, well, the farmers would bring the ram to the temple. And where were they going to sell these things? Well, nobody was using the court of the Gentiles, which is the outer part of the, the of the temple, and so they just, you know, housed him in there. And you'd go in there, and you'd buy the ram for sacrifice, and you'd sacrifice the ram, and then you'd bring home all the ram parts, and you'd have your your family feast after that. So that's kind of what that developed into for those who didn't have uh, a farm, you know, who were laborers or tradesmen or whatever. Um, and but you see how the the worship becomes so central, and. Doing that together, calling down God's grace, making that an act of reparation and redemption, uh, all of that becomes so central to the the heartbeat of the family, to the life of the family, uh, as as it is, as it should be in our time as well, except instead of offering our own crops or buying something and offering, we participate in the, the one sacrifice of Christ in the Eucharist.
0: And that makes sense. So so I think that's a really good foundation and, and starting point there. I think that that part of what I'm trying to come across is is that Yes, for the ones who bought and sold the the Rams, this is gonna be a little bit different. But for the ones that that were growing the individual thing, you know, there's an extra energy put upon it because it's it's your life and it's your everything you know you can see the ram you can see it getting bigger you can see it making more rams um and and all that important stuff and maybe this is just more of a reflection of the decentralization of money how it becomes digital and we put less less emphasis on it but You could see the physical carrying and having to take care of it. And when the thing got sick, you had to fix it and make sure that the plague didn't take out all of your animals and all that. And now it's just click two buttons and walk up to a machine and here's cash. And the part that I'm trying to articulate there is when you were growing and caring for the lamb, you knew the purpose of this was ultimately in one format or another was going to be a sacrifice to God. And now it just seems so disconnected between the work that we do and the giving of that for God. And part of it is, as the backdrop is you're never going to do a better sacrifice than Jesus. That's just not going to be possible. Um, so that's what, I think I'm trying to get at so that every single day that farmer was alive, he knew that this animal was going to be sacrificed and there was an importance and attention paid to that. But you don't have that in today's world.
1: Well, I, uh, and I, I love the point that you're making and I'm going to push back a little bit, but then hopefully to move forward together. I don't know if a farmer was really focused on that. This is my pushback. He was raising a flock of animals. Yeah. Was he focused on one of them becoming a sacrifice? I don't know. Could he have been? Yes. And that's where the connection is still today. You make a salary, Joe. Mm -hmm. And you can be aware of a percentage of that salary becoming a sacrifice for God, becoming a concrete expression of what you're offering to God in union with the Eucharist. You can make a morning offering, which again is a very traditional practice, and say an element of what I do today is is a direct offering to God. That's my intention. I'm paying attention to that. And so I don't know that it was necessarily the case that the farmer was doing it then, just as it's not necessarily the case that we are doing it now. But would it be better if he were, if we were? Absolutely. And that's why I think you make a great point that um, we need to look at our what we're doing in, in a bigger picture and, and in a less selfish manner, a less selfish, self-centered perspective that I'm really saying, what, what is the offering that I'm making? What is the sacrifice that I'm making? What is the, the good that I'm doing today? And how do I unite this? You know, does it even make a difference in itself? Uh, or how do I unite this to something greater? Well, I'm going to bring a percentage of it to the Eucharist. I'm going to bring a percentage of it and add it to the sacrifice of Christ that we celebrate in the Mass. And that makes it that gives it more value. And uh, just like that farmer could say, you know, one of these, uh, my firstling, my unblemished lamb, the first fruits of my crop, the it's going to go to God and it's going to be part of that family pilgrimage to the temple. And it's going to be part of that offering that I make. This is going to be a Passover lamb. He didn't have to pay attention to that, but how much more meaningful is it? And that's what you draw out in such a beautiful way, Joe is so much more meaningful. If I look at it from that perspective.
0: And I guess in doing, so I kind of might've said something a little bit about, about myself there. Um, Cause that, what you're saying makes makes absolute sense in that you know you're drawing attention to to what matters in a more concrete way, opposed to just making sure that the envelope's full as part of the hustle and bustle of the week, make sure you have all of your things making sure they're taken care of for the items of your individual week, make sure you get the groceries done, make sure you pay the gas bill, make sure you put the money in the envelope. And in that regards, money is just a toll. But I I think that what you have just called us to do as far as putting the attention and the detail and the thought into why we're doing whatever we're doing to create our money in the first place is a significant step there. Um, you know, to, to, to connect the, the, the importance of, of what we're doing here to the the labors that we're having in the first place, I think that that is something that really i mean just listening to the way that you said it would have a lot of lot of value out there and something that obviously given the way I asked this question, I had not really ever thought of before so and we can elaborate a little bit more on how to to make that a daily practice and how to put the emphasis into it
1: yeah and and uh The practice in the temple was that certain smaller sacrifices were offered in the morning and in the evening. And those smaller sacrifices – because a a lot of different things were offered. You know, a ram was like a big ticket item. But uh, two doves, you know, were offered when the the firstborn child was claimed, uh, as we hear about in the the mystery of the presentation of Jesus in the temple – uh, a poor family would offer two turtle doves, um, but they also made incense offerings, and they also made wave offerings with with grains, uh, and they they also made offerings of prayer. They would say certain prayers, certain psalms in the morning and in the evening, in the temple every day, and people could come and participate in that. Um, you know, so we we push this out into the everyday through some of those uh, offerings. And, and one of the ways that the church as a, as a body does that is through the Liturgy of the Hours. Morning prayer and evening prayer are modeled after the morning and evening sacrifice in the temple. And making that liturgical offering of prayer is united to the sacrifice of the Eucharist the liturgy of the eucharist and so that's an example and then uh, well i don't know how to pray the office especially when the office was in latin people would say i don't know how to pray the office i don't know latin and so that's where the rosary became a a substitute for the office the divine office the liturgy of the hours or or the just an angelus Uh, people pray the angelus and the, the bells rang the angelus and this is the kind of thing you can do when you go into your work in the morning traditionally you pray the angelus at 6 a.m. 12 and 6 p.m. and remembering the incarnation remembering the sacrifice of Christ. So those are some some little ways that we have prayer practices which don't take up a lot of time just as in in a way taking care of that ram didn't take care didn't take extra time you're taking care of the flock anyway but you can be aware of you're just making an awareness of this is the ram I'm going to offer in the temple. And in a similar way, just a little prayer exercise to become aware of this labor I'm going to offer today is going to be part of, it's going to produce money that I'm going to offer as part of the Eucharist. This is going to be part of my participation. And so just a little prayer practice. And as I said, there's a a traditional practice called the morning offering. You can just Google that, the morning offering when it's just saying all of my sacrifices struggles joys failures everything today i offer in union with the sacred heart of jesus and the the offer of offering of the mass you know just something along those lines just making that intentional connecting the meaning of what we do to a meaning that's much greater in the eucharist in the, the sacrifice of christ so that, that kind of thing can make a, a big difference in how we go about our day, and then we can just renew that in little ways throughout the day. Oh, I'm doing this for Jesus, you know, doing it for Jesus, doing it so I can unite that with the sacrifice, um, bringing it to the Mass. So in some way, all of our time is either heading towards Mass or flowing from Mass. It's either preparation for Mass or it's Thanksgiving after Mass, you know, that's a beautiful way to look at our lives. And that's what I think the that whole uh, Jewish worship did was that you didn't just grow crops to put food on your table. Before you put food on your table, you gave thanks to God and you offered the first fruits of the crops to him. You didn't just raise animals to put food on the table. You raised animals and the first one, the unblemished one, the best one, you would make as, as an offering to him. And sometimes you offer what's called a holocaust, which means that you don't get any meat back. You burn the whole thing to cinders because you say God is worth it. He's worth me not getting anything out of it, like food to take home. He's worth not just being a butcher in order that I can have a feast for my table for my family. He's worth just just giving that whole first ram to just given that whole first calf to a Holocaust. And that's where, now we use that, that word, it's gotten so tied up with what the Nazis did to the Jews. We call that the Holocaust because they just wasted all those people, offered them up as a sacrifice, not to a good God, you know, and, and uh, they were just destroyed. But, but the good connotation of that word is this sacrifice that's total that I don't get anything back from. I just offer it purely out of love for God.
0: Well, I definitely thank you for articulating these messages here today. You know, it's, it's something that I think that, that will have great value moving forward with, um, not just myself, but hopefully to all of those listening out there. And to all of you, I'd like to thank you. You're making this cast grow tremendously by each given week. And we ask you to keep spreading the word to those you know around you, whether it be on Twitter or just word of mouth or what have it. Also, please keep leaving the reviews you have been on your individual subscription sites. And we will be again with you here next week. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you then.